Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Are you a Protestant? Well, of course, many of our listeners will quickly say, do you know what that means? Do you know what it means to be a Protestant? Hmm, that question may cause a few thoughtful moments in some. Let's talk with Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, about being Protestant and understanding exactly what that means. Lincoln, what do we need to know? Well, I think we need to remind ourselves of a few things. There was an interesting statement made by a Roman Catholic politician and ex-senator, Santorum, uh, a few years ago during the uh, build-up to a presidential election. And I don't know what brought forth his comment, but he said, I think speaking on morality, he said that Protestantism is absent in America. Hmm. And that should have been a wake-up call for many people because societally, the United States was overwhelmingly made up of Protestants yes. until very, very recently. The historical mythology of the United States has the, you know, the pilgrims settling in Plymouth Rock. I mean, it did happen, but I mean, the mythology makes that as the, as the main story. Yes. There clearly yes. were many groups that came for financial as well as religious reasons. But overall, the society was characterized by a proliferation and a dominance of Protestant churches and groups that really were very prominent even until when I was young. But something has changed lately, and I think what's changed is that a, a certain self-awareness has disappeared. You know, we're a secular culture. I, I don't think there's any debate on that, And just as Europe is secular. And we're at the crossroads of self-describing ourselves, I think, as Europe has. It claims that it's really is a secular culture, sort of post-religious. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true in the... In the corporate sense, it's true in, in the personal sense. People are not religiously uh, motivated like they used to be. They're not spiritually uh, engaged. But in, in old Europe, most people know who they are. You know, they know their background. They know which church is dominant in this country and that country. And so in the United States, there's sort of an assumption, well, yeah, we're Protestants mostly and so on. But they've forgotten what it is to be a Protestant. Mm. And Santorum nailed it on the head. <laughs> it's fine to say you're a Protestant. But if that doesn't mean anything, then, as we discussed in, in another program, then the Bishop of Rome can legitimately say, ah, come back, you know, we all love God. Let's join together again. Well, there are very real reasons why Protestants came to be, even if few of them today know those reasons. <laughs> The Protestant Reformation is a rich and, and complicated story, which we can't even hardly begin to address uh, here in this program. But it's worth remembering that Martin Luther, the towering figure of the Reformation and one of the earliest reformers, although John Wycliffe in England predated him by some time. But as far as a direct challenge to the accepted orthodoxy of the time, which was the Roman Catholic Church, Luther takes the, the lead. And he was a Roman Catholic theologian or, or a, uh, a teacher of church law who had his own spiritual battles to face. And as he studied his Bible, which was rare then, <laughs> but as a priest, he had access to the Bible. Yes, yes. As he studied it, he saw huge contradictions between 
what the Bible said and what his church was doing. Not just anomalies, direct contradictions. And at first, he thought, as all people that are responsible, that he could change his organization. He didn't want to be a rebel. But as he spoke out against some of these things and, and, and the church hardened its response, he came to realize that, that no, he couldn't change it. He, he really needed to separate from it and, and call others to a, a biblical approach to Christianity. And the upshot of that, to cut through a lot of history, <laughs> was that uh, Luther uh, really led an emerging Lutheran church in Germany and uh, a conflict between church and state because the Roman Catholic Church at that time had the ear of the mm-hmm. emperor of the Holy Roman Empire. It had, in essence, political control over people's destinies. It didn't just have the pulpit in the church. It could make life very hard for you if you objected. And it came to a head when... A number of the German princes that were sympathetic to Luther for a combination of spiritual and political uh, reasons, to be honest, but they were sympathetic to him and they saw the value of of religious self-determination. They made a confession before the emperor called the Augsburg Confession, a statement of religious independence and that they were going to pursue their right as creatures of God to uh, believe as they saw fit biblically. And, and that began this what is known as the process of reformation. And it's a little bit of anomaly because as it developed, it really wasn't emphasizing reforming the Catholic Church. It was protesting what the Catholic Church had done. Mm-hmm. So Protestant mm-hmm. is more meaningful. And in protesting, they were then forming their own companies and, and their own uh, organizations that could protect these understandings of truth that they got from direct Bible study. Well, when did a protest become a reformation? Why do we think of it that way? We were trying to change the church. Why do we think that? I think the protest became uh, a reformation or a a separate movement when the Pope at the time reacted so uh, predictably, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it had been done for years, predictably to this rebellion and put out a papal bull condemning Luther and all that he'd written, and then gearing up the emperor to deal with them, which would probably be execution, Mm -hmm. and to excommunicate all of those that held similar views. And it's really just an accident of history that a number of people, including the German uh, princes, were inclined to support Luther, because normally, in in a very observant time, when there was only one dominant uh, church structure, and a church that said that it had the power of heaven and hell, And if you opposed it, it would remove you from salvation, not Mm, from membership. It would cast you into everlasting doom forever. (laughs) That's a pretty serious uh, impediment to questioning. But Luther started a process, and, and, and again, we need to recognize that the printing press and other modern social and economic developments were underway, which created a climate for people to sort of shake the dust from their minds Mm -hmm. and to think clearly on spiritual matters. They could read the Bible for the first time. Luther read it because he was a priest, had access to it. But for most people, the Bible was either locked at the front of the church, and it was in Latin, yes. or else they were locked in ignorance and, and couldn't read, even if it was shown to them. So learning developed, uh, access to the Bible through printing uh, developed, communications between people of, of, of views like Luther and Calvin in, in Switzerland. The, the, you know, these people were able to spread a knowledge and discussion that broke the spell. And the spell was rather heavy. 
you know, even somebody that, you know, I believe the Bible and, and I'm a committed Seventh-day Adventist Christian, but I think even just from a historian's point of view, it's quite obvious what had happened to the Christian church. It had been exposed to many forces, persecution early on, uh, in the few centuries after Christ's uh, death. It had advanced uh, strongly, and then it entered the enchanted ground of government control with <laughs> the Emperor Constantine. Mm-hmm. He gave it his full support. Then he used government-engineered councils to determine what was true and what was not. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, he was highly colored by uh, pagan views. And this melding of church and state just got out of control with the Roman Catholic Church where, uh, you know, they became more temporal rulers than spiritual guides. Many influences crept in. The pagan symbols as well as practices sort of became inseparable from pure biblical truth. And it took a reformation to call the body of believers back to the basics that Jesus had brought. Mm -hmm. And, of Mm -hmm. course, the church rejected it or resented it, fought it. So this story needs to be told and reminded that it wasn't just a few theologians or a few malcontents that rose against the the benign and faithful Christian leadership. No, there were very real and seminal issues at play. With Luther, it was the question of righteousness by faith. Are you saved because the church says you are or lost because it says you are? Do you have to talk to a priest to tell your sins or can you can you pray directly to God? Mm-hmm. Recently, the Catholic and the Lutheran churches got together and decided at this late point that it was a pure misunderstanding, but it, it really isn't. Yeah. And the great irony is that the Roman Catholic Church, to this day, still offers indulgences, for example. You can go to any Catholic website. It's no secret. That's their claim. And it, and it says that the church has a store of merit that it can dole out as it sees fit. I mean, that is just so unbiblical is to beggar the imagination, but that's their view. And this was why Protestantism grew uh, after Luther sort of broke the spell. He didn't have the truth on everything by any means. It remained to many individuals to study and to find greater and greater purity of of faith in in, in the Bible and the New Testament in particular. And the Roman Catholic Church had a counter-reformation. It tried to fight this movement as well as clean its act up in certain areas. But, no, it's still... uh, carries with it certain claims of of being the one true church, claims to dispense spiritual largesse or withhold it as it sees fit. You know, these are things that the Reformation told the Reformers were not biblical, not appropriate, and were easily abused and had been abused through most of the so-called Dark Ages. So, Lincoln, bring that to us today. Should we be Protestants or should we be Reformers? What should be our goal? Well, I, I think Christians generally should be reformers. Their, their uh, charter is to bring reform to a sinful world mm-hmm. and, and to bring it back to God. Mm-hmm. You know, I have strong uh, views on what the Roman Catholic Church still might stand for. But when we talk about the Reformation, I think we should just encourage people to be thinkers and Bible students again. Look at these things. Look critically at why there was a Reformation. Is it important? If it is, then be a Protestant. Stand for something, but to be a nominal Protestant, to be a nominal Catholic is a dangerous environment because there are religious and political leaders who will take great advantage of that and play on your ignorance. That's basically the lesson of history. Uh, We need to think these things through. I believe God has shown that he's charitable and kind, and if in true conscience and true faith you, you study something and you come to 
a determination you're this, that or the other. Mm -hmm. You're not damned because you've made a wrong choice there. But we can be held culpable, according to the Bible, for not searching for God with all our hearts, not searching the Scriptures. Jesus says, search the Scriptures, because in them you'll find me. We need to be curious. We need to be critical uh, in the sense of not accepting just anything because someone says it. Search it for ourselves. And for the case of Protestants, reinvestigate our history. There's a reason Protestantism came to be, not just a, a, you know, a slight organizational slip that now can be rectified by a grand kumbaya of Christianity. And that reason still stands, you're saying? That reason still absolutely, stands? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Right. Protestantism is not finished, even if most Protestants developed a severe case of amnesia. Well, that is, those are powerful and strong words from Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine today on our program. Lincoln, thank you very much for those. Always a pleasure. And listener, we invite you to the website, www.libertymagazine.org. Lots of good stuff there for you at libertymagazine.org. Until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Lincoln Steed inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651 or email us through our website at 3abn.org. Join us again next week at this same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. Today.